Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, this week. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. What's up, my man? Just enjoying our Advent music here, right there. It's very Adventy. <laughs> it's advantageous. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. I know what Advent means. I don't know what this music means. Yeah, not at all. But we are both, for really kind of for, for the first time, I don't know, since I can remember, sipping on coffee at the same time. Yeah, well, I think one of the factors is we're doing this recording in the morning, which normally um, we don't. So I think that's definitely a factor in this. For sure. Yeah. yeah but man, I just have to say thank you because I want everyone to know how generous you are. <laughs> you brought me coffee this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're worth a dollar fifty. I got to tell you. Paul, I don't know if anyone's ever told me that before. Thank you. <laughs> it was my pleasure to buy you a coffee for a dollar fifty cents this morning. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's good coffee too. That so, advent generosity. Anyway, uh, great to be with you guys. Thanks for listening in to the show. Uh, everyone on KLFT Radio in Acadiana, South Louisiana. We love it down here. The weather is beautiful. Or on the podcast, wherever you are, feel free to share the show, be a part of it. Thanks so much. We are in the season of Advent, Deacon Adam. Which is cool. It's kind of one of our favorite seasons. You and I kind of get hyped up about it. It's my favorite for sure. I I get super hyped up. It's the new year. Spiritually, I feel kind of like, you know, I have a friend who every Lent, you know, not everybody, Lent's not everyone's favorite season. Although, like, you jump into it and and you're kind of like, hey, it's Lent, we got to do something. But he loves Lent Mm because he makes this joke kind of tongue-in-cheek. He's like, yeah, I love Lent because the rest of the year I do nothing, right? <laughs> and Lent kind of forces, you know, him to kind of like get in gear, right? Like, like refocus. But what we don't know is that Advent is that it, it is this sort of mini penitential season to right the ship. It begins the new year for us, and I think for me, like it, it's sort of like okay, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, it's it's a refocus. It's a it's a reinvigoration of my my prayer life to to focus in and a lot of times when when you talk about having a consistent prayer life, a lot of times the biggest struggle is focusing. Like what what do I focus in on totally. for prayer? Like what what do I spend my time on? Right. So outside of like the practical things of like hey if you're gonna have a prayer life and really have a consistent conversation with Jesus. You know, on the practical end, it's like, okay, when and how long, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's good to, to be structured and have a plan. Like, I'm going to pray at this time every morning, you know, or I'm going to go to Mass. I'm going to pray in the chapel, this whatever. If you don't have a plan, it kind of just falls through, right? It's it's no different than any other discipline in your life, right? Like, if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to exercise or eat right or I'm going to study more or I'm going to go back to school. Like, if you don't have a plan and you have a structure— it's eventually just going to, you know, it's just going to fall by the wayside, right? Like you're mm-hmm. just going to forget to do it. You know, your schedule is going to fill up with other things. In the spiritual life, it's the same way. Yeah, and you're touching on one of the reasons I love Advent because there's a plan to it, right? It's four weeks, so it's doable. I mean, that that's literally like every yeah every turn your life around plan is four weeks. Right. <laughs> Short spurts. <laughs> right. Right. So it's totally doable. And there's a plan to it. There's things you do every day. There's yeah. candles you light. Like it's, it's a program that we didn't make up that the church gives us that is doable. You right. know, I guess that's what gets me excited too. It's like, I can do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so outside of like this structure that, that we need to put in place, have a plan, Advent gives us a focus. And a lot of times mm-hmm. in our prayer 
life and when I talk to folks or even in my own, you know, ups and downs of, of prayer is like, okay, what what is the Lord calling me to focus on right now in prayer? You know, am I supposed to be reading scripture, a book, a, a spiritual writing? I'm having a hard time maybe focusing, staying quiet, reflecting on something. The gospels aren't really speaking to me, you know, like, and so people get frustrated because they don't, they don't know what to do in prayer, right? Or what mm-hmm. to focus on, right? Advent just, it gives us a focus. Like there's, there's an aim. It's sort of like the scope that that's on the target. And that's the direction that the Lord is moving us, you know, as an individual, as a church, the focus on, on Christ, his coming, his second coming, his first coming, the the beauty of the manger, Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family, uh, the readings, all all are, are are moving in a direction that that we can jump into. We don't have to like figure it out. Yeah, it makes it simple. Man, you just articulated a lot of things that I didn't know why I loved Advent so much. But that's exactly <laughs> it. It's a focused time that we all share the same focus. And I mean, as a church, what a blessing that is to have the same focus together because. You know, throughout the year, especially during, I guess, ordinary time, um, there's lots to do in the church. There's a lot to get done, and there's a lot of different opinions or different whatever. And so to take up again as a church, whether that's a parish church or the diocese or the whole world, if you want to think in that way, but to take up a singular mission and vision, you know, to prepare the way of the Lord and make straight His paths to Christmas and to prepare for the second coming of Christ, it, it's it's that beautiful feeling of unity and community um, that can only come from a unified vision and focus, like you said, that Advent gives us. Absolutely. All right. Do you have a, a have you seen? Did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yes. Yeah, so this is Advent uh, Advent edition here. Have you seen? Um, uh, okay. So there was a burglary last <laughs> week in New Hampshire at an elementary school. Ooh. Yes. And um, they... You know, the alarms went off, and, and it was the place was trashed. That's very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But um, come to find out, the suspect left a deer, a broken deer antler. Mm. So they reviewed the tapes, because they have video equipment, you know, security equipment. It was, in fact, a reindeer. Broke into the school. Broke into the school and destroyed a lot of things, which is sad. That's not a, a happy thing, but... Um, it is a reindeer, and at this time of year, reindeers have certain significance. And there was a 10-point buck inside the school lobby as they were reviewing the tapes because they just went straight right. to it. And then um, I, I'm not a hunter, but I imagine 10-point means big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that's that a right? Good, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of points. So as they're reviewing the tapes, they see this, and then um, they then see the actual deer. Wow. Right there. That's um, hysterical, actually. I mean... <laughs> Bad for the school. I'm sure it was sort of like, well, we're glad an actual burglar didn't break in our school and we don't feel safe. But, you know, a, you know, a deer, reindeer, a, you know, mule deer, whatever it is, breaks in, a moose, you know, probably <laughs> just walked through like a glass door or Correct. something, you Correct. know, and then got stuck, scared, and then just started destroying the school. That That's crazy. Yeah. You know, to think about. <laughs> yeah. Well, the police and firefighters that responded – we're then staring down this 10-point buck down the hall, not really knowing what to do. So they just kind of stayed, you know. So the deer decides he's uncomfortable now and runs through a plane of glass and takes off into the woods. So he's free. He's free. 
but that's how it went down. I mean, can you imagine? I I guess not being a hunter, I'm just not familiar with deer enough to know what to do in a situation like that. Like if I'm down the hall from this animal that could kill me, I assume a reindeer that's a 10-pound buck can do damage to me, right? So I don't know what I would do, but they just stared it down and it left. So I guess that's what you do, right? I don't know what you do. I do have a similar story. had a friend who um, came home. Their house was just stuff everywhere. And they were certain that it was a burglar. They called the cops. Cops came over, took evidence, looked around, you know, down, you know, just books all over. Just And then they cleaned up, you know, and then a couple of days later it happened again. They came home and they were just like – and friend thought it was the ex-boyfriend that was breaking into the house and like just destroying the house right oh and uh come to find out the next time the cops came over they they found a squirrel and this squirrel there was a squirrel in the house that would get loose maybe it was living in the attic or somewhere and then it would when no one was there it was quiet it would just run amok wow and just would push things down a squirrel so they called the cops twice thinking it was a burglar <laughs> that's awesome well the the uh, city in new hampshire is still looking for this deer because huh. apparently the same deer the same day broke into an auto repair shop and did the same thing <laughs> so <laughs> that'll it happened that's a stretch it, it happened so they're they're actually looking for it because this deer has become a public nuisance wow but um so if you see any reindeer in the area of new hampshire <laughs> It's obviously not one of Santa's reindeer. I don't think Rudolph would do this. No. Maybe maybe Rudolph went bad. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but you know, what it's interesting that, you know, when you bring this up is I think one of the things we we struggle with a lot is making us about things without having all the truth or all the facts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Advent's one of those things. And I say this in Advent, one of the real sort of like hiccups during Advent is uh, Herod and his threat of Jesus coming and the hearing of this Messiah and the assumption that the Messiah that was coming was going to take his seat or his throne, right? And he was threatened by that. That assumption, which was not the case at all, right? The Messiah that was coming in Jesus was a humble servant, uh, one who was going to uh, love and serve and not bring an army, right? Like, like so Herod has this assumption of of this word of the Messiah is coming and feels threatened, makes up this story in his mind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the result of that is is horrific. Like, what he ends up doing is massacring, you know, uh, killing young young children, you know, males to and under, and, and Jesus and the Holy Family flee into Egypt, right? When you're sharing this story is oftentimes in our lives, we can get so distracted by assumptions that we make up in our mind that aren't really true. And it is like one of the biggest ways, I, I think the enemy totally distracts us from the spiritual life and a relationship with Jesus. 100%. I mean, most of the folks that I talk to that haven't been to confession in a while, it's exactly that kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Like there's this, there's this um, understanding they have that they're kind of assuming about people, about God, about the whatever the church, and usually not true, usually not the case. But it's so real to them 
that it keeps them from God's mercy in the sacrament of confession. So you begin to make up this story in your mind, right? Like, God will never forgive me. Mm-hmm. You know, the priest in confession is going to think I'm crazy. Uh, I'm I'm not worthy. Guilt sets in. We make up this story. You know, we can get a text or a phone call from someone, or we can hear something about something, and then we begin to think all these things in our mind, not based fully on truth. Maybe it just starts with like a little, you know, something small, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we spiral into this whole nother realm, you know, of of disillusionment, and that keeps us from God's will because. Disillusionment is not fertile soil for discernment, you know, and, and if we draw conclusions about situations, peoples, um, ourselves, we're no longer listening to what God wants us to do, you know? I mean, it's one thing to, to feel insecure, you know, to go in a situation where like, oh, I feel like this person doesn't like me or this, this situation is whatever, but you, st- you, ha- you can feel that by and still fight through it and show up for God's will and say, Lord... I'm not the most comfortable. This is kind of awkward for me, but I know you want me here. I know you want me doing something. The tragedy is when we let those insecurities or those doubts or those assumptions we make, we conclude that we we shouldn't do something. We shouldn't go where God's calling us to go. We shouldn't be where God's calling us to be. I see this in parish life all the time. You know, parishioners will assume because of this this thing that happened or this thing that was said, oh, I'm not wanted or I'm not needed, so I'm just not going to do that ministry anymore. And that's such a tragedy because, you know, in every ministry, we're going to feel slightly awkward or uncomfortable. we got to fight through it and just do what God wants us to do. And then we find out, oh, what we thought was true was not true at all, you know? Right. And the best thing to do is to gather facts and real evidence and have real conversations with people, you know, mm-hmm. to to bring us back into the reality of, oh, that's not what I thought, right? Mm-hmm. So there was this assumption that someone broke into the school. You know, it had to be. Well, mm-hmm. they couldn't be further from something did break into the school, but it wasn't a person, right? And so, like, they were off. And so gathering the facts, getting into the reality, and this all brings us back to the way we started the show, is that when we have a consistent life of prayer, the conversation we have with Jesus consistently, daily, is what helps us to live in reality, right? Spiritual yeah. reality, uh, it helps us to live in, in, you know, physical reality. Helps us in in knowing that our thoughts are are grounded in truth, and that it that's what guides us and leads us. Right. So all these distractions, all these thoughts, all this brokenness, all this sinfulness, when we have this conversation with Jesus consistently, it 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 just brings it all to truth and evidence. You know, with Jesus. Yeah, and most folks, I would say. If if we struggle to have a consistent prayer life to find Jesus daily in that moment, we'll we'll have a reason in our mind that we think we're not doing it, but that's not the truth. Like we need somebody to talk to, to objectively, like a spiritual director or just a um, just a person to to listen to us to get to the bottom of why we're avoiding prayer. Because in the end, that's the truth. It's not that we're too busy. It's that we are avoiding prayer. <laughs> It's so very true. Why are we avoiding prayer? And if we can get down to the bottom of that, because y'all, our hearts were made to pray. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more natural to the human heart than to commune with Almighty God. So if we're finding trouble doing the thing that we were made to do, there's something in the way. There's some block. That's like saying, "Oh, I think I'll get around to eating, but I'm not." You know, no. Like we will, we will pray. 
if we're not avoiding prayer. And so get that spiritual director or that friend you can talk to to get to the bottom of why am I not praying? Why am I avoiding talking to Jesus? And there's few things in your life that will free you more than that. And I promise you, it's not the reason you think. It's not the reason you think. It's going to be some insight that someone else gives you who can look into your life and say, oh, here's why you're avoiding that. Yeah, because if it's time, find time. If it's what, then find the what to do, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. But if it's I'm avoiding it because I'm, I don't know, I'm afraid. I don't know what God will say. I, don't, I feel judged. Those are the things that, you know, keep us from, you know, being totally who we are, right? Like mm-hmm. being with Jesus. So, you know, I always say like, just find a time and sit and and go from there. And I promise you, like God's there with you, right? He's gonna, he's not gonna not show up for the conversation, you know? So Jesus, the Lord is, is divine. The Lord is all knowing. He's everywhere. He's present to us at all moments. So it's not like we will get disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, I'm, I say, Adam, hey, meet me for lunch or coffee. I need to talk to you, and you don't show up, right? Mm -hmm. That happens in human relationships. God doesn't do that. Like, we don't sit down to be with the Lord, and he's like, yeah, I just don't have time. Like, I'm not there. He's always there, always present at every moment. So it really, like you were saying, comes back to, well, why aren't we taking the time? Like, what is going on? And I know for me, when I don't have a consistent prayer time, it's either A, I've practically got off course, right? Mm-hmm. Like my schedule's overloaded, I'm way overwhelmed. Or B, I'm avoiding something. I'm avoiding talking to the Lord about something. I don't want to hear what he has to say, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm just not at a place where I'm like, yeah, I want to hear, right? Mm-hmm. And both of those need to be addressed in my life so that I can get back to what I'm created for, which is to be in relationship with Jesus consistently. And I think those both reflect the Advent message of John the Baptist, you know, the lowering the mountains and filling in the valleys. You know, there's going to be things that are in our way, and then there's going to be things that we lack to get to easily to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot mm-hmm. of times there's going to be something in our way that we're trying to avoid, or like our schedule is too crazy and we need some more prudence, like we're lacking the prudence of ordering our life. But Advent is all about identifying which it is, what mountains need to be leveled and what valleys need to be filled in to make it easy to commune with the Lord every day throughout the year. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a powerhouse dude, man. Whoa. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you guys. Thanks again for being a part of the show, listening in today. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, Advent Extraordinaro Mastermind (laughs) himself. I'm loving the conversation this morning because... Uh, it's touching home. I mean, you know, like I've been really busy this fall. I've let that busyness 
detach me from my consistent prayer life, you know? And so this Advent, I'm like recommitting and it's, it's been great so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, touches on the heart to just say, look, God always shows up. So if I'm not showing up, there's a reason I'm not showing up, you know? Yeah. I think your life though, right now, like we could use you as an example is, is a good example for all of us because you're, you're going through a transition, new job. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of work, figuring it out, your schedules change. So a lot of Mm -hmm. practical things have changed on your plate, right? Practically, your schedules changed, your times changed, your workloads changed. That's all changed within the last six months. Mm-hmm. And so, when you talk about, oh, you know, my prayer life is, you know, maybe gotten off course or whatever, you're looking at your life practically. There's been a lot of change and transition. I think everyone who's listening has experienced that. You've experienced some transition, a change. Maybe you've had a new child, so your your schedule's off. Maybe you start a new job. Maybe you've moved. Maybe you're in a new community, and you pair all these things. And and then Advent's sort of like this reminder of like, okay, I've had a lot of change. How, how do I get back and build you know some consistency in you know my life? Right where mm-hmm. you know maybe you didn't have as much flexibility in your schedule, so now you have to find a consistent time to pray that's different than what it was before. And I think a lot of times if we can figure out a plan and get practical, it does help, you know? Oh, yeah. It does help. Yeah. And being realistic, I mean, um, you know, for me this Advent, um, to kind of get down to what's most important for me to do and what's the most realistic time for me to do it, you know? Right. And and being creative about that. Um, So, you know, my lunch break a few times a week, that's the best time to pray. That's what I'll do or or whatever. Um, And And... That stresses the importance of a spiritual director as well, because that's the the role of your spiritual director is to help you figure out what's realistic, what's practical, and what's needed. You know, like what what is the Lord actually asking you to do and to prioritize, and everything else needs to come second. Yeah. And look, spiritual directors are hard to find for, oh, yeah. for everyone. And it's harder than uh, toilet paper during COVID or... Yeah, that's... It is. They don't come on the shelves or in <laughs> packs of 12 at all. But, you know, outside of that, like, if you can find some accountability, some good friends who are trying to right. jur- make the journey, do the journey, do the deal, and surround yourself with those types of people so you can, you know, you're not living and we're not called to live our life with Christ in an echo chamber, right? In a silo mm-hmm. to where the only thing we're hearing is ourself, our own advice, right? Mm-hmm. It's important for me to have friends like you and other friends say, okay, you know, speak truth into my, my life right now. Here's what I'm thinking and hearing. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's not true. That's not reality. You're making that up. Like, like come back, you know, or here I've gotten off in prayer or, and then you can remind me of the importance. So even outside of spiritual direction, which is really hard to find a consistent spiritual director, having spiritual friends is mm-hmm. extremely important. You know, I've always said, you know, you, you lay with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas, right? Hmm. We're the sum of, of the people we hang out with, you know? So as Christians, we are called to reach out to people, to evangelize people in the world, to evangelize those who aren't spiritually walking the path. But, that cannot be with the exception of not having a community of people who help us to grow. Scripture says iron sharpens iron, right? That's like that. We need that in our life 
in order to live spiritually. Well, on this day we're recording the podcast is the Feast of St. Andrew, who I think is just the icon of what you just talked about. I mean, he um, his relationship with Jesus from the beginning was in the context of a small group community. You know, he um, one of the first disciples of the Lord. He was following John the Baptist, and then the day that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, and pointed out Jesus, Andrew was like, Okay, now I'm following this guy. And then we heard in the gospel reading today from Matthew that in that context of that relationship where Andrew, whose brother was Peter, and Andrew told Peter, hey, we found the Messiah, it's, it's Jesus from Nazareth. In that context, Jesus is walking on the shores one day, sees, sees these two men, Andrew and Peter, and he calls them and they follow. And so, yeah, like Andrew's faith from the beginning was in that kind of relationship mm-hmm. you just talked about. It was with his brother and his fisherman buddies. And so it wasn't it wasn't complex, you know, it was very human. Um, but that was the seedbed of Andrew's faith and it was strong enough. It grew tall enough and big enough to one day accept his own crucifixion on that X cross that we've come to know as St. Andrew's cross. Um, but it started and it continued in that small group. This is the powerhouse dude I mentioned at the end Mm -hmm. of the first segment, right? Feast of St. Andrew this week. I mean, he is by far one of the most powerhouse apostles and saints that we know a lot of times we don't think about him much, you know, because he gets maybe overshadowed by his brother, you know, Peter, mm-hmm. but you know, Jesus calls Andrew Peter and he doesn't call him alone and he doesn't call him to walk by themselves. Like it's within the context of like brotherhood and community, you know, the disciples walk together, they walked with Christ, they sharpened each other, they, they grew, they learned, they failed they prayed all together, all those things, right? They lived life. And and that for us as as disciples are, are called to do the same. And so, you know, but the Feast of St. Andrew, like like this guy was like, I don't know, like you kind of think like outside of St. Paul, one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Yeah, I mean, he he literally evangelized Peter. If you think of it that way, he evangelized the first pope. He's the one who introduced the first pope to Jesus. Right. And he's the one that kind of went and said, hey, I found the Messiah. He told other people, I have found him. Like, this is the dude. Like, I'm not even like... Before his miracles, before anything. Yeah. Yeah. This His intuition in his heart was like, I found truth. And I think we've all kind of experienced that in our life at some place. Even if you're far away, go back to that moment where you felt peace, truth. Maybe it was sitting in a church or on a retreat or you received the Eucharist or in adoration or... You were praying out, out just in silence, and you felt this peace. There was this intuition that God's real, like he's mm-hmm. there. And and Andrew had that spiritual intuition when he met Jesus face-to-face, eye-to-eye. And he had that intuition before the others did. Yeah. To the point where he was so confident to go to Peter and to the others, Nathaniel, and say, I, I found him. Mm-hmm. I mean, stop looking, Right. Yeah, I found the Messiah, the ones the prophets talked about. I mean, that's pretty bold faith before Jesus did anything. Yeah. Like all he had known of Jesus was that he showed up for baptism one day and Paul and John the Baptist said, there he is. And that was it. And I think I think we can all appreciate the Andrews in our life that just seem to get the faith and are like a rock for us who maybe aren't as strong, you know? Um, I can think of a lot of folks in my life that like, the faith came easy to them in the sense of not that they didn't have to suffer for it, not that they didn't have to 
do difficult things for it. But it was an intuition, like you said, from the beginning for them. And it just, it, it became a rock for everyone around them. I'm so grateful for those St. Andrews in, in my life, for sure. Yeah, so when I was a kid, and, and I say kid, like older kid, uh, like teenager, my, my mom would Easter do, uh, make us do an Easter egg hunt. But to motivate us, me and my sister, whatever, she they would put money in the eggs. Oh, yeah. But like legit money. So like the golden <laughs> egg might have a $100 bill. Dang, that yeah. is legit money. Yeah, yeah. And it was fun. And, and... And they would hide these things outside, like it was like, it was like an adult Easter egg hunt. Okay, yeah. so like you don't just like throw it on the ground, and maybe a couple of other cousins were there too. So it was like, whatever. But there, there were a lot of other eggs, you know, with candy and stuff. But there were some golden eggs and a silver egg that had major money in them. Wow, for me, right at no, the that, time. Yeah, that's okay, a, yeah, for me, I'll I mean, take a hundred dollars. I'd love to do that. any day. Mm-hmm. So. I thought ahead of time, this is my philosophy. Everybody's going to run out, and they're going to just start grabbing eggs, every egg they see. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm gonna go search for the golden egg. I'm just going to look for that one. And I would find it because everyone was distracted by all the eggs that they could see and of find. lesser value. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would find it, but I wouldn't tell anybody I found it. And everybody would keep looking. And I had the $100 egg, right? And then finally when all the eggs were found, and everybody was like, I was like, look, okay, I found the egg. I got it. It's here, right? I got the 100 And they were all mad, and, and I would win every year, but they wouldn't catch on to my philosophy, my, my strategery. But here's the thing. Like, that's exactly what happened with, with Andrew is, like, once he found – the Messiah, like he was like, that's it, done. He just went to everyone's like, I found, I found him. Stop looking, mm. stop looking for all the things that we're looking for. Like, just stop. He's right here. That to me is very powerful because, I mean, I think at some point in our life, the search has to end. Like this longing that we all have in our heart has to be fulfilled somewhere. And it's not, obviously, if you're all listening, you can agree. It's not going to be found in, like, any sinful acts. It's not going to be found in in more money or a better job or even some things that are good, right? Mm. Some good things. It's not going to be – we're not going to be totally fulfilled in that. And for Andrew, it was like, there it is. Stop looking. And I think for us, eventually the search has to end where we're like, you know what? I need to stop searching like there's another answer and find my total peace and fulfillment in Christ. I got to do it. This is Advent. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is Advent is like the Messiah has come to fulfill our heart's desire. What's your heart's desire? Well, I want peace and joy and forgiveness and mercy and love and hope and purpose. Okay. There he is. I found him. Certainly that's a process in our life, but at the end of the day, I may say, you know, I'm a little uneasy, but I don't know where to go. Yeah. Right? I might feel unfulfilled today, but I know where to go to find it. Like, I'm not going to go out there and search for something else that I think might, because I know where that's going to lead. Yeah, and I think you're touching on the, the heart of that gospel message with St. Andrew. I mean, the way St. John relates it, 
John the Baptist points him out. Andrew goes to Jesus. Jesus says, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're talking about. Like, what are you searching for? And Andrew's response was, where do you stay? And Jesus says, come and see. Mm -hmm. So Andrew saw that what he was searching for was in front of him. It's simply to be with Jesus. And Jesus wants to invite us. I mean, it's like you said earlier, it's not like God doesn't show up when we go to pray. Like he wants to be with us. That's why he became man. That's why we're going to celebrate Christmas. God with us is that the Lord wants to be our hope and our joy and our peace. He wants to be our everything. And so when we come to him to end that restless search, I mean, what are you longing for? And if we say just to be with you, Lord, like Andrew said, where are you staying? I just want to know where you are. He'll say, come and see. Like he'll invite us in. Um, We get to go into Bethlehem, into the manger to be with the newborn king. So all of us have access to that. And so St. Andrew's that icon for all of us who are searching for for that thing in our life, like that thing we think will bring us fulfillment. There he is, you know, come and see. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about the saints that we don't always think about, you know, because we live in such a temporal world, right, every day, uh, is that the saints are alive, Mm-hmm. Like we we pray for their intercession. We hear about that as Catholics. Like we pray for the intercession of Saint Andrew. And when we pray that, we're we're not praying to like a dead memory of a saint. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just we're not paying respects. <laughs> you know, like we're actually talking to a living saint in heaven, saying, "Hey, walk with me, journey with me." This is the mystery of, of it all is like the that that same spirit of St. Andrew, that same passion, that same insight and intuition to recognize his desire is fulfilled in Jesus in that moment, right? That's conversion. We we can we can ask St. Andrew to to be with us in that, like to to walk with us and to show us how to do that. Like that's a that's a real thing, yeah. and we don't always think about that. He's like, oh, they're you know they're dead. They're they're it's history. Uh, they're they're you know even if they're in heaven, like it makes no sense. It's like no, like the the saints are living. They're alive, active, and even can can be joined in, in a sense as a as a spiritual communion with us, like a community of, of folks journeying with us. Well, and they could teach us how to be Christians now, and I think you're bringing that up is so important because. Looking at St. Andrew and talking to him is not just how he acted then or how Christians should have acted then, but he can teach us to be a Christian now. You know, like in other words, so for example, St. Andrew, his following of Christ, his staying with Christ, his love of Christ, his finding all his desires fulfilled in Christ, after Jesus died and was resurrected, that became for St. Andrew found in the Eucharist. And he was actually martyred because of his love for the Eucharist. Uh, he went evangelizing in Greece, and the authorities there who arrested him told him, you have to sacrifice to pagan gods, like you have to sacrifice to the gods. And he says, no, I daily sacrifice to the living God, um, offering not the flesh of bulls and, and goats that you want me to do, but the flesh of Christ himself. I mean, mm-hmm. he talks about how, and he says, the the Lamb of God is the one I offer, and so that faith that he began with, with John the Baptist, who said, behold the Lamb of God, for him found fulfillment in the Eucharist. Like he saw Jesus 
as the fulfillment of that true lamb that he offers daily. And so his whole life was centered around Christ. That became centered around the Eucharist. And that became his life, his daily life. And what a lesson we can learn today, right? To love the Eucharist, especially in the Advent season. O come, O come, Emmanuel, that we pray during Advent is fulfilled. That longing is fulfilled in the Eucharist who's present with us. And so St. Andrew can teach us now to find Jesus in the Eucharist, just like he found Jesus 2,000 years ago, just like he died for the Lord in the Eucharist. We can find Jesus in the Eucharist today, and St. Andrew can point us out, just like he pointed to St. Peter. Um, And we can ask him for that deeper faith, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, because, yeah, like, what's the Eucharist? Jesus, the presence of of Christ, right? It's the face of of Jesus. (laughs) And so we can... We can, we can ask Andrew, Saint Andrew, to show us now how to recognize Jesus, mm-hmm. right? How to see the Lord, and to to let our desire to be fulfilled in Jesus today. That's what that's what Andrew did then, and and he can help us to do it now, right? Like so, mm-hmm. you know, we can pray today, and you can pray and ask that that Saint Andrew would help you to recognize your desire and and to see it fulfilled in Jesus, to to find the face of Jesus and to see face-to-face, right? That's in the Eucharist. Uh, to get more committed into prayer, as we've been talking, to to really seek out spiritual friendship, to go on retreat. Like St. Andrew, he was a man's man. He was a dude's dude. He, he was a, you know, uh, a radical saint, that wasn't afraid. And so when he thought about his mission post post Jesus' death and resurrection, it was, you know, I'm going to go on mission and I'm probably not coming back. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tradition tells us that, that he he died on a cross. He embraced his cross and hung there for two days. Two days. Preaching yeah. the gospel. Right. To, to anyone who would listen as, as he as he died. But he embraced that cross with with great love. Like he 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 longed for it, like he longed to be joined with Christ and knew that his ultimate fulfillment would be in heaven with Jesus. Like it's crazy stories that we think about. And so when we read about the saints, we think, you know, some cool history, some cool tradition. We don't always, again, think about the saints as they're actually alive, living, praying for us, journeying with us. And we can, we can not only ask, when we ask for their intercession, it's, it's present now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he wants to journey through Advent with us, you know. We get a lot of Advent companions during the journey. There's St. Andrew today, um, but, you know, St. John the Baptist, St. Joseph, the Blessed Virgin Mary. St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas. They're all going to be given to us at certain points on our journey, not just to remember what they did, but like you said, to be present to us now, to journey with us to Bethlehem today. Um, so, yeah, embrace the saints this Advent. Do it. Yeah. You know, one of the things in your in your prayer time, your Advent reflection, you know, um, if, there's a, if there's a saint of that day, you can read about them and pray for their intercession. Or, you know, at times in our life, like one of the things that we've done, particularly in times of discernment, we've kind of prayed into like maybe a committee of saints to pray and discern with us. Mm. So we might say, what are the, what are like five or six saints that we want to ask to journey with us during this time of discernment? So you may say during this Advent, like I really need 
just a spiritual, you know, butt whooping. <laughs> you know, I need a, a good kick in the rear to get back on track. What is the committee of saints I want to join me and really pray for me during during Advent? And that's a really cool thing to do because it it it, it really brings together, you know, um, the sense of community with, with these other folks. So anyway, think about that. Do that. We're going to take a quick break. and The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. That's solidarityhealthshare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Great show. Thanks for listening in. Advent edition as we begin this holy season. This show is getting me fired up for Advent. Fired up. I'm ready to go out there and just Advent all over the place. Fired up. Mm-hmm. Getting going. St. Andrew, pray for us. Yes. I love the name Andrew, too, by the way. So it's a good name. It's a good deal. Yeah. it's um, It reminds me of like Drew Brees, who's also a saint. Really, Saint Drew Drew Brees, yeah. Drew Brees. Here, here in here in Louisiana, <laughs> he'll always be a saint. <laughs> Led the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, to its only Super Bowl in history. Mm-hmm. You know, so you Saint, know. Saint Andrew, they should just retire his jersey. You know, it'd be cool if they actually retired Saints, like albs or robes, or <laughs> I guess we'd kind of do that with relics. We do, but it'd be nice to have like a whole chasuble. Just up there in the loft, right? With like you know St. Andrew's number on it. I yeah, don't know. yeah. Like here's his jersey, St. <laughs> Andrew's jersey. There it is, the Ring of Honor. Yeah, that'd be you, cool. You know, I think we're on, wait. You know, we have creative thoughts on this show, and it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. What honestly, if we open up? So if you go to Canton, Ohio, okay, mm-hmm. which is in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, it's a cool little town. But there is the NFL Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And it's an unbelievable museum, like really cool history of NFL. Really, I've never been. I mean, I've heard it's cool. But they have mm-hmm. you know the bust of people who have made the Hall of Fame. You've and, been there, and then yeah, wow. I went there in, in in college. Anyway, it's it's human beings who played football, right? And mm-hmm. we go and see this. Like, what if we did a Saints Hall of Fame? Like, like museum Hall of like literally like, and you walked and there was this history of like a thousand Saints. Oh my gosh, dude! That would be pretty cool. We're on to something. What better place to have that too than South Louisiana? Like people would oh come from all over. All right. Well, look. If any investors out there want to, no, get, think about it. Yeah. If you are like an investor, call me because, <laughs> like, an actual museum hall of fame of saints that you walk through and like imagine this. Like you, I'm being serious for a moment. <laughs> you started out coming in as like a pagan you're just like i love history mm-hmm. and you walked out a believer like in a sense of like you were so immersed in the lives of real people who did real things who sacrificed their life for god and you walked out the other side of the door after seeing a thousand stories 
of saints and your life was changed. That's what I'm talking about. That sounds pretty neat. All right. Well, go to the Discover the Art of Living website. Contact Paul George. <laughs> yeah. I, we're on it. We're doing it. it. Happen. We're doing it. I've decided it's going to happen. Th- this would be really cool. It, it's a Catholic nerd fest, but people's lives would be changed. And look, when you go to the Football Hall of Fame, you walk through, you never played football. Mm. Okay. You would want to strap on a helmet and play. It's just kind of part and parcel. You just get motivated. This would change people's lives. Let's do it. Hands down. I think we're on to something. Let's do it. South Louisiana is a great place for that. There's There are, like, places that have a, um, you know, you go to, you know, churches and basilicas. There's a lot of history. There's some museums. Uh, there's uh, reliquariums mm-hmm. that have tons of relics that you can go and see. But no, like, Saints Hall of Fame. Right. There's not, like, an All Saints together in one place. All Saints Museum. Because, I mean, hopefully every listener has been to some... Um, reliquary, like for example, Blessed Francis Xavier Silos in New Orleans, where he's buried. There's a museum next to it where you get to see about his whole life, and it really motivates you. So, hopefully, you've been to some site like that where, or like uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton up in Maryland, same thing. There's like a museum that tells you about their life. But you're talking about putting them all together in one location, immersive experience of sainthood. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sounds pretty good. Thank you. And good luck. And if you could have like th- themed rides, like a Disney World type thing, bring it. I mean, this with is. It, I mean, this is an endless opportunity for people. Like ride Andrew's boat, St. Andrew's boat. You know the fishing thing. Go fishing with St. Andrew, dude. I don't know. See, this is where you you kind of you take it to next level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about <laughs> how about we get to our six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we uh, started the show talking about a uh, fugitive reindeer that was just... Yeah. And you mentioned the story about a squirrel who Mm -hmm. did something similar. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Question number one. So has anything like that happened to you where you thought something was happening like in your home or in your life? Like you thought... Man, this just I don't understand it. And then the solution came out to be pretty funny or like simple. Hmm. Has ever happened to you? Well, I've had a lot of misunderstandings in my life. <laughs> I don't know if I can get to many of them. I've had a lot of assumptions <laughs> in my life for sure. But um I did have a scary moment hunting one morning. I was in a duck blind by myself as a teenager. And it was dark, so you get there in the dark and you wait for daylight. And that's kind of spooky because you're in the middle of the woods and you're just like, ah, anybody could show up and like grab me. But I mean, you know, you're, you're, and I see this thing swimming in like the pond that I meant, and I think, oh, that's probably just some ducks swimming, you know, on the water. But I still, and as daylight came, it was alligators and that freaked me out. So, so yeah man so that's like the the reverse you thought it was something friendly yeah but it was not and then i was like yeah i'm not gonna walk in that water <laughs> not right now <laughs> not today nice all right question number two we talked about um making assumptions that can get in the way of your spiritual life and so 
I would love to hear from you. When people come to you and say, look, I'm not going to confession for whatever reason um, because I've concluded maybe I'm not worth forgiving or maybe I, I want to make sure I get over a bad habit before I go back to confession. That's one I hear often because I feel inauthentic in confession because I know I'm not going to stop doing whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you take someone from like that place where they've, they've just convinced themselves out of God's mercy and confession to like mm-hmm. reopen their heart to go again? I do think, you know, we've talked a little bit and you've mentioned it is, is helping them process the reality of what they're thinking. Cause a lot of times when we are sitting in, you know, guilt or shame, or we, we, we make up stories and, and it's based on maybe a, a, a seed of truth and then it kind of grows. And so helping people process the, the anxiety or the worry that's, that they've blown out of proportion, right. And to kind of shrink it down into, uh, uh, a chewable size for them of why do you feel this way? You know, what's going on? Tell me more about it. And as the more and more they process it, then they kind of say, you know what, maybe it's not that bad. You know, maybe going to confession would be a good thing. And, and, and just really kind of putting them more at ease through that conversation. And a lot of that, you know, is, is just the process of just walking with people in their mess sometimes, you know? And so, we do that with each other, with our spouses as married folks, you know, and, and with our children, you know, we, we're constantly helping each other live in reality, you know, when we're struggling. And I think we're called to do that with other folks as well. Nice. All right. Question number three, we talked about consistency in prayer and Advent um, and things like that. So, and you mentioned how Advent focuses on a theme. Focus, Daniel. Focus. So my question would be, what prayers or or maybe some practices during Advent would you recommend to kind of make us focus? Like what's a good Advent type thing to do uh, to focus our prayer on the coming of Christ? Yeah. You know, you know, not to, to kind of always go back to the same things, but the one thing, you know, we mentioned the first segment is that Advent does has a focus. So it is sort of that season where the readings focus you the daily gospel readings really focus you in on the story it's all leading into something right and that's a beautiful time of prayer a lot of churches have these you know maybe advent you know journals or reflection you know on on the gospels that you can do uh that's really good or or maybe some type of advent you know you know, Bible study or reflection that that focus you in on the season so I wouldn't suggest oh it's advent let me do a Lent study, you know, like, like let the season lead you. And that's the beauty of the church, right? It's, it's, you don't have to go looking for something. It's right here in front of us. Sometimes in ordinary time, we're like, ah, it's kind of getting stale, right? So we might need something to kind of get us going. Advent really focuses in a lot of churches are doing more confessions during the week. Um, they're offering more adoration or things like that, that we can take advantage of. Um, during Advent that that can really bring more grace into our lives to journey with Christ. Question number four, we talked about how hard it is to find a good spiritual director, and you mentioned the importance of spiritual friendships. For some of us, it's hard to find those spiritual friendships. Maybe our coworkers aren't, like, super excited about the faith, or maybe, I don't know, like, a lot of people seem to struggle with just finding those friends. Um, So what would you recommend to, to folks like that where, you know, I've tried to find those friends, but I just can't. Hmm. 
You know, a lot of times, and this is going to be hard, a lot of times we have to take some risk, you know, and with risk, there's a sense of vulnerability or rejection, but that's just what we make up in our mind. The risk is, you know, I may have to just walk into church and meet people I don't know, join a Bible study, a men's or women's group of people that I don't know. I may have to get a little uncomfortable to get where I want to go. And, and that's the spiritual life. It's, it is uncomfortable. I may have to go on a retreat with people I don't know or join a small group or a Bible study or go to a church that I, people I don't know. And it is just putting ourselves out there. The risk, the reward of that risk is going to be far greater than really drag you down. Mm. So the challenge for us as this Advent is to take some spiritual risk that are going to benefit us long term. Man, I love that. Risky Advent. Risky Advent. Question number five. So we talked about St. Andrew, who was just a great man. He was a baller, man. A baller. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this sense, of, this intuitive sense of like confidence in who Jesus was and, and, and that kind of thing, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on how to grow in that, that sense of um, fulfillment in Jesus, especially for hearts that maybe some people listening that tend to feel unsettled, tend to feel like, oh, I need something more, something more, or like, you know, my relationship with God is good, but what's next, you know, whatever. How do you find contentment in someone you've already found, you know, Jesus Christ, contentment in the relationship you already have in Jesus? You know, part of our human struggle is that there's this thought of, oh, there's got to be more. There's something else. And and our sin is looking for fulfillment in something other than God. That's our struggle, right? We think, oh, this might fulfill us in this moment, right? That's that's what sin is, you know. It Advent this season, like in our life, it's it's reminding us uh of our love, like like our full desire, like Andrew is, there it is. You don't have to look anywhere else. You may at times feel drawn or tempted, but come back to this. This is the fulfillment, right? And same in marriage is when you start struggling, you feel distant. As you go back to those moments where it's like, no, we, we, we're committed. We love each other. And Advent draws us into that. And that's the importance of, of just saying to ourselves is like, ah, yeah, there's nothing else. There's nothing else out there. That's going to fulfill me. So let me just not even go there. All right, question number six. It's the beginning of the Advent season. Paul, give me your top do and top don't for a successful Advent. Well, don't not do anything. And if you get overwhelmed by doing something, then just do one thing. Don't overwhelm your calendar, your schedule, your mind with thinking, man, in Advent i got to do everything. And so then you do nothing and fail it at all. Do one thing. What's one spiritual practice that you want to get going? And do that one thing and get it going. And then just feel the grace kind of build from there. So anyway, thanks everyone listening in. Thanks for the show. Thanks, Adam. And we will be praying for you guys and we'll be back next week. God bless.